Have you ever struggled with understanding the Word of God? You're not alone. Let's look at the scriptures together and understand how we can apply biblical principles in our daily lives, right here on the Creekside Podcast. All right, welcome to the Creekside Podcast. My name is James Pivahouse. I'll be your host today, and this is our pastor, Drew Byers. How are you doing? James, you're getting really good at this intro. You like it's it? It's getting better and better, I think. We'll At see. least I'm enjoying it more and more. Maybe the <laughs> listeners are too. I hope so. That's awesome. But I'm glad. I'm glad you have such a good radio voice. I say that every show, and I'm going to keep saying it because it's true. And know. maybe one day you'll get like a radio job because you have such a good radio voice. But well, thanks. You have a face for radio too. Normally, so. I just use it to order <laughs> McDonald's. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. And James edits and and posts and all that fun stuff for this podcast. So I appreciate your time. Uh, in that regard. Yeah, man. Not not a problem. I, I enjoy this. This is fun. Uh, so last time we talked about Hebrews chapter 13. If you didn't get a chance to check that out, go look that up. And the bonus episode, right? And there's a bonus episode that we went yeah. into depth about church leadership. So check that out as well, especially if you're a pastor. It's a great uh, listen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, today we're going to be going into the book of Galatians, starting in chapter 1. Are you ready to dive in? Let's dive in. All right. Go ahead and read that for us. Yeah. All right. This is Galatians. This is the Apostle Paul. Uh, I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. I think that'll give us plenty to talk about today. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Thank you again for reading that. Um, I want to dive just right into that because there's such a, like the introduction uh, of Galatians chapter 1 uh, when he's doing his greeting to the uh, Galatians. Uh, it's really it, nice, isn't it? It is. Yeah. That, uh, what do you make of that? I, I love I love Paul's greetings because uh, he always gets the important stuff out in the front. Uh, and so in verse 1, uh, he identifies himself as an apostle, so one who's uh, one who's sent by Jesus. Uh, you know, There's just some authority there with that office. Um, that with the death of the, you know, with the death of the apostles, you know, the the canon was closed, right? Scripture, scripture had been written, um, and that's, you know, God had ordained that His ministry would continue through His apostles for a season. Those people who had seen the risen Christ, uh, and I think that's so significant. But He says how He became apostle. He says not from men nor through man, but He became apostle through Jesus Christ and God the Father. Um, who raised him from the dead. So right there at the beginning, Paul uh, Paul wants you to know the big deal is not that I'm an apostle. 
The big deal is that Jesus Christ is the Lord. The big deal is that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. So don't focus on me. Let's focus on Jesus. I think that's you know that's such that's so good. Uh, more Christians should to take that kind of posture, right? Maybe when we write letters to each other, let's say I'm a Christian, not from my will nor from the will of man, but it's because of Jesus Christ that I'm a Christian, right? right. Uh, I think that'd be really good. And then he he goes on down to verse number three. He says, "Grace to you and peace." From God, the Father, Lord Jesus Christ, he tells us the reasons or one of the things he wants to do in writing this letter is to give them grace and remind them of God's grace and to give them peace, uh, remind them they have peace with Christ. Um, it is through his sacrifice. And verse 4, he spells that out, who gave himself for our sins, right? There's a really succinct definition of the gospel. What's the gospel? Yeah. That Jesus stood in my place, that he died for my sins. Paul reminds them of that on the very front end of this letter. Um, and what does that do? It delivers us from the present evil, evil age according to the will of our God, the God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Jesus has delivered us from this evil age so that God might be glorified in our lives. And the goal of our lives now is the glory of God. That's the intro right there. Really good stuff, right? Man, that, that fills my heart with grace. It fills my heart with peace. It helps me to understand more of who Jesus is. And and sometimes in your Bible reading, it can be really easy to just skip over the greetings. Okay, Paul wrote this. Let's move on. Uh, but there's some there's some meat there that we need to chew on and just and just kind of uh, recollect and, and, and dwell on. This is what this is what Paul thinks is really uh, significant and important for his life, that we focus on Jesus, that it's not about me, it's about him, and it's about his gospel. That's kind of our mission statement as Christians, right? Yeah. And in the context, I mean, you think about who Paul was before he was Paul. He was Saul. He was all about himself. He oh, was yeah. super. I mean, people would take their clothes off and lay them at his feet because yeah. that's who he was. Yeah. You know, you look. He's at, a think, big deal. Yeah, he was a big deal. And here he is now talking to the Galatians or sent, writing a letter to the Galatians. He's going, don't even think about me. This yeah. is all about Jesus. That's right. And yeah. that, man, isn't that, shouldn't that be true of every Christian, right? Hey, my life's not really about me anymore. It's about the glory of God, and it's about the glory of Christ. Um, we should be convicted mm-hmm. and encouraged by this greeting, right? Convicted of all the times I make things about me and encouraged that I, just like Paul, uh, I can grow in this area, and I can make I can make my life about Christ and about the glory of God by understanding what the gospel is, which is where he kind of goes next. Yeah, yeah. So if you look at verse five, <laughs> he he seemed pretty pleasant, and then we go into verse six, and it's a little harsh. <laughs> so uh, why is Paul's attitude changing between these two verses? You've got kids. I do. <laughs> do they ever run in the road? Actually, yeah. We uh, so Kristen and I, we were looking for a home, right? And uh, there was a house that we went to, and the yard, the front yard was really small, and the backyard was just a slope, so there, mm. there was no yard. And uh, while we were there, we really liked the house. It was a beautiful house, and uh, it was in our price range. So it was one of those that we were really almost sure about. And as soon as we walked out of the house uh, to make decisions and talk to the real estate agent. Ollie, at the time, I think he was he was like two, took off running, and he was in the center of the road, right in front of the house. And you know, yeah. So, do my kids run around? Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> you would even go so far as to not buy a house if it would endanger your children. We did not buy that house right. because he because ran into the that. road. So, I I don't think it's unloving or unkind. If a child is running towards the road or towards a cliff 
to yell and scream and do whatever possible to keep that child, to help that child understand the danger that's present there, that they could die, they could, you know, be seriously injured, ruin the rest of their lives from a, you know, be, be disabled for the rest of their lives if they take the wrong steps there, right? Now, that's a physical danger, and we really understand that and we're okay with that right you know we're okay with people posting signs hey uh there's a drop off here there's no shoulder on the road we're okay with all that stuff we want to be warned if there's danger ahead but in our spiritual lives anything goes you know hey don't say anything that's gonna make me mad because i don't want to be mad don't say anything that's gonna offend me how much more dangerous is spiritual things that we get wrong or how much more dangerous is it to get the gospel wrong yeah it's better to have the gospel right and play in the road mm-hmm. than it is to get the gospel wrong and never leave the house right and to always yeah. be comfortable to never do anything dangerous right not that i'm advocating for playing in the road <laughs> but you get you get what i'm saying yeah. paul is speaks with such firmness and such uh, passion here because he wants the Galatians to understand what a big deal the gospel is. If we get the gospel wrong, what we won't get anything else right. You know um, that that we'll we'll have serious consequences uh, in the life to come. You know, in, in the present life and in the life to come, if we get the gospel wrong. So here he says that the the people in the church in Galatia have turned to a different gospel. But then in verse 7 says, not that there's another one. There's there's one gospel, but you all have made up a fake gospel, a false gospel, and you're following this false gospel in, with more fervency than you followed the real gospel. And, and, and I think that sometimes we can view this as a condemnation, but really this is a means of grace. Just as Paul was gracious in the way that he preached the gospel the first time, there is grace in the fact that he's drawing people back to the gospel, that he's seeking to get people to come back to understanding the the, the truth about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done uh, for his people. And you mentioned a different gospel, the other gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, what What is that the, the Galatians yeah. are reser- resorting to? What is that? Yeah, so I think from the context, what we understand is that they were giving um, priority to the practice of circumcision. Um, so if you listen to our podcast on Hebrews, it's the same thing, right? They're going back to the old ways. They're going back to practicing the law. They're not They're not abiding in Christ's sacrifice. They're, uh, they're trusting in their own works to, to save them. Uh, I think we're going to do an episode on Galatians 5 in, in coming weeks, and so we'll dive into more of that there. Uh, but there's this there's this priority towards works of the flesh over against the work of Christ, that I've got to do things to get myself good with God, um, not trust on the sacrifice of Christ. Uh, and so ultimately I'm trusting in myself to justify myself and that's not that's just not going to work that's not that's not the way that god's ordained for people to be saved we're not saved by our works by working our way into god's good favor um by legalism we're saved by trusting in christ let me give you um i was reading a commentary this morning a sh- uh, short pretty accessible commentary by a theologian named uh, jv fesco um He writes this, Paul qualifies what he means by a different gospel. It is certainly not that there are other legitimate gospels. Rather, the Galatians have departed from the one true gospel and embraced a distorted and false message. From the outset, both Paul's great concern and the great danger threatening the Galatians is evident. 
Part of the reasons behind Paul's alarm is no doubt that this threat to the gospel has come from within the church. Demons dressed as angels, if you will. And I think that wow. helps us see why this is such a big deal. This is not coming from the Mormons, right? Or the Jehovah's Witnesses. This is not coming from uh, the, the folks that are, you know, Muslim or the folks that practice Buddhism or something like that. All these pagan religions that would have been present in Paul's day and age. This is coming from within the church. This is a, a message that's being uh, continued and propagated by the teaching of people within the church. So that's 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 pretty incredible. So just just to give give some context, one time I was uh, there were some Mormons that were walking my neighborhood uh, where I used to live, and I had some church members at the church I served who uh, lived a couple streets over from me. And the Mormons knocked on their he was out in the yard doing some yard work. And the Mormons knocked on their door and uh, said, "Hey, can we come talk to you about the about the gospel?" And uh, my my friend said, "Well, yeah, my pa- one of my pastors lives a couple doors down. Let me invite him over and we can sit down and talk." So me and my my friend, uh, he he said, "Come back another day." So I think it was a Sunday and we we were sitting in his house and the Mormons came over and so we sat and talked to the Mormons for a while and I asked him there. I said, "You guys are really confident in this. What do you say to Galatians chapter 1 that if there's a different gospel, let him be accursed?" You know, because it really seems, you know, if you know anything about Mormonism, they believe that an angel showed up in the woods and told this guy named Joseph Smith that there was, you know, a better way to follow the Lord, and then he departed from the faith entirely. And now Mormons are the nicest people you'll ever meet. Like, if they ever come knock on your door, you know, uh, they're going to be really kind to you. I don't think there's anything to worry about, but they practice the false gospel. So I asked him this. I said, what do you do with Galatians 1? He said, well, it's not a different gospel. It's the same gospel. Uh, that's how they. That's how they get around this message. They, they, it doesn't say that if an angel appears and tells you the same gospel that they should be accursed. Um, sadly, what they believe to be true about the gospel and what the gospel actually is are are two different things. Um, so, but you could understand why Paul is so concerned, right? Um, things that sound dangerously close to Christianity but are not Christianity are really detrimental to the church. Wolves in sheep's clothing, if you will. Uh, the, the commentary I was looking at references a quote by the reformer Martin Luther um, mm. who, who wrote in the, in, the, in the 15th century or 16th century. Um, he's got a quote here that I think is really good. Let me read it. He says, Let us learn here to recognize the tricks and the craft of the devil. A heretic does not come with the label of error or devil, nor does the devil himself come in the form of a devil, especially not that, quote, white devil. And what he means by that is that Satan dresses himself as an angel of light, right? So he, he references the white devil, which would be the devil appearing as an angel of light, and then the black devil being the devil manifesting himself as a devil. So just for any confusion, he says, In fact, even the black devil who impels men to overt acts of evil, provide them with a covering for the acts that they perpetrate or intend to perpetrate. In his fury, the murderer does not see that murder is as great and horrible a sin as it is, in fact, because he has a covering for it. Thieves and covetous men and drunkards and the like have the means to flatter themselves and cover up their sins. Thus, the black devil always emerges in disguise and covering of all his works and tricks. So he's talking about how the devil made me do it, right? The devil has these right. terrible works that he makes people do. And all of us would look at it and say, okay, those things are sin. Those things are the works of the devil. And then he turns, he, fl- he flips the script here. He says, but in the spiritual area where Satan emerges not black but white in the guise of an angel or even of God himself, there he puts himself forward with very sly pretense and amazing tricks. He peddles his deadly poison as the doctrine of grace 
the Word of God, and the Gospel of Christ. This is why Paul calls the doctrine of the false apostles and ministers of Satan a gospel, saying to a different gospel. So what Luther's saying is, this is not the work of God. This is the work of the devil. There's only one gospel. If you've got a different gospel, you don't have the gospel of God. You've got the gospel of the devil, mm-hmm. right? And so he, he, he says this is a spiritual battle. This is not the same kind of sin that we see with you know thievery and murder and drunkenness. This is a different kind of spiritual battle, which is why Paul— you know, Paul's also harsh about those, those other works of the devil, right? The reason Paul's so harsh is because he hates the works of the devil. Whether they look like the works of the devil or they look like— the works of God, quote unquote, right? He hates the works of the devil and doesn't want the people to be deceived. And so God's people have an obligation to understand what the gospel is and to reject and repudiate anything that claims to be the gospel but is not. Yeah. And how does that contradict like with today's world, where we're at today? And that because I think that's what this podcast is all about. Taking these wonderful words that Paul is given to us and then applying them to today. I was talking to some folks who moved to our area. So we live in Middle Tennessee. We live in a super religious uh, part of the world. There are churches literally all over the place. And in part of that, I praise God uh, because, you know, the, the Lord has promised to build his church. But the the undertones of religion in our culture are so strong um, that everything is Christian. And so I was talking to some people who had moved here from uh, the Northeast, they had moved down to this area, and they were just, they were they're Christians, they're believers, and they said we're just amazed. Our family's amazed at how everything is Christianized. And she said the other day I was driving in traffic and I got cut off by a guy who had a Jesus fish on the back of his car, and I was just you know, and it was you know one of those things like aggressive driving. I don't know if there were hand gestures made or what, but she's <laughs> like everything is Christian here, you know, and it's so it's so. Incredible that we we call everything Christian, yeah. But do we do we value it the same way that you know? Do we use the same standards of Scripture to evaluate those things? And especially um, as as the church has become Americanized, um, that that more churches are more they're more concerned about the American dream than they are the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's just a sad reality over and over again, especially as churches, uh, you know, want to think new thoughts about God. They want to, you know, they don't want to put God in a box, and so they embrace any and everything and try to make it fit with um, what what they think should be true about the world. And so when we, when a lot of folks do theology, they want to look at themselves first and the Bible second, and then make that fit together rather than looking at Scripture first. Uh, and seeing what Scripture has to say, um, that with knowledge of God comes knowledge of self, right? As uh, one of the Reformers has said, and I think that's so important that we start with God when we're doing theology and not start with ourselves. So the way that applies in the church, again, I've got a good example here from this this commentary I've been consulting. Um, It says, if we think that the church has progressed beyond such pitfalls, we should think again. The author says that at one point— there was a, a woman who was the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church of the USA. She was asked in an interview, is belief in Jesus the only way to get to heaven? That's an easy question for a Christian, right? That's a super easy question for you to answer and for me to answer. There is an unqualified yes. That's the answer to that question. So she's asked the question, is belief in Jesus the only way to get to heaven? She responded, We who practice the Christian tradition understand him as our vehicle to the divine. 
But for us to assume that God could not act in other ways is, I think, to put God in an awfully small box. Her statement indicates that she either misunderstood Paul, which is unlikely given Paul's absolute clarity, or she simply doesn't believe him, believe the book of Galatians. That's what I think we're dealing with here in the book of Galatians. We're dealing with uh, what, what is the gospel? How, how can I be saved? And if we get this wrong, there are dramatic implications for the rest of our lives. Now, the Episcopal Church in the USA, you know, uh, every every church is different. You know, you can't um, you can't evaluate every single person based upon one thing. But if this is what the if this is what the head of the Episcopal Church is saying, or the the bishop of the Episcopal Church in the USA is saying, I'm going to think really hard and long before I take those claims over the claims of Scripture. You know, if that's coming from a place of authority in the hierarchy of the church, I think that says something about the nature of what the church is actually trying to do. And it's not what Paul's trying to do. And, you know, in the greetings, it's not about me, it's about Jesus and about the gospel. They're trying to say, hey, how do I make my life the best I can? Which is a very Americanized gospel, which sadly is no gospel at all. Yeah, definitely. I think Scripture is very plain when it comes to how you get to heaven, you know? Yeah. Uh, there's, and I mean, I think that's the question that scripture answers. I mean, the, one of the main questions the scripture answers, you know, yeah. how do we get, how do we get to heaven? How do we know, how do I become right with God and get to enjoy uh, his, his presence and get to enjoy his benefits for all of eternity? It's one of the main things scripture teaches about. And yet we want to use the Bible to come up with a different answer than the yeah. Bible gives. Uh, and that's, that's a fruitless exercise. And so we just need to be aware yeah. When people st- when people talk about the gospel, are they talking about the fact that I'm a sinner who needs a savior, that I need someone to give me righteousness because I have none of my own, that I need Jesus to die in my place to atone for my sins? Because if that's not present, if the name of Jesus isn't present in the presentation of the gospel and what Jesus has done for us in his atoning work on the cross, if those things aren't present in your, uh, you know, explanation of the gospel, I'm not sure you have the same gospel the scripture is talking about. Now, certainly there are different, uh, like a diamond, you know, you hold up a beautiful diamond and you can see different perspectives and there's different uh, perspectives maybe we can get with the gospel. But when we look at a diamond, we know it's a diamond, right? When we look at the gospel, how do we know it's the gospel? Because it talks about Christ and Christ's work on behalf of his people and his ability to reconcile them to a holy God, primarily through the, his death, burial, and resurrection, right? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think it's through things like this podcast and through the reading of Scripture daily and, and those devotionals— uh, because I have, I've been to other churches, I, and I've, I've watched a lot of other pastors uh, on TV, and unfortunately, it seems more like uh, you can get, like you said, the American dream, you get so wrapped up in devoting your your time and your prayers into things that you want versus the things that you need, such as the scripture, uh, mm-hmm. and that's why, that's when it's really easy to be swayed into what we believe is a gospel versus what is the true gospel. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't want to like have a lot of money? Yeah, you know, who doesn't want to have a life of wealth and health? Who doesn't want to, you know, have all your problems go away that you don't, you know, have any interpersonal conflict or you know have any problems at work? Like, who doesn't want that? Of course, we all want that. Yeah, but have you considered that maybe you would be less godly if God gave you all the money in the world? 
Mm-hmm. Have you considered that you would be less godly, less holy if you had a super easy job with, you know, where your boss was a, you know, a complete, or you were the boss, you know, their boss was a complete and total saint all the time. Could you consider that you would be less like Christ if you never suffered? Right. Well, what does the Christian want? Well, I want to be like Christ at all costs, even if that means I have to walk through suffering, even if that means I have to live this whole life poor, even if that means I have to deal with, you know, really substantial interpersonal conflict. I want to be like Christ. And yeah. God uses those trials and uses suffering to make people more like him. Just consider the Bible and find me one person in the Bible whose life went the way they wanted it to. Find me one person yeah. that everything in their life, the story of Scripture, like nothing bad happened to them. Everything was totally and completely fine. I can think of one, and it's Shamgar, and it's in the book of Judges. And there's, Shamgar's only mentioned once in the whole Old Testament, and it says he killed 400 people with an ox goat. That's all that you read. Everything in Shamgar's <laughs> life, right? And that's an extreme example. Everything yeah. went right for Shamgar. Uh, but think about David. Uh, think about all the stuff that went wrong in his life. You know, think about all the difficulty he walked through. Saul tried to kill him whenever he was, you know, uh, anointed to be king. Think about Abraham, all the stuff that went wrong in his life. He was asked to leave all of his wealth and all of his riches and his family and go to a land God would show him. Think about Joseph, right, who gets accused of—Joseph, who doesn't really do anything wrong that we right. see in the book of Genesis, but who gets accused of all these terrible things, gets sold into slavery. Think about Jeremiah the prophet, which he goes and speaks the word God has told him to speak, and then he's persecuted for speaking that very word. You just think about this over and over and over again. No one in the scripture had a, had a good, easy, like, you know, American dream kind of life. Think about all the apostles and the things that they walk through. You're not going to find anyone in scripture who lives the kind of life that we're really, you know, that the American dream is really pushing. Now, that's I'm not, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with working hard or to, to have wow. nice things for yourself, but are you steward in those things? Well, are, are you concerned about the glory of God more than you are about the stuff that you have and the power and the, and the, uh, the status of your own life. You know, that's that's the big question uh, that we're kind of coming to. Uh, I think four, four things here I want to I want to point out quickly from uh, the text of Galatians. And we might have gotten off on a little bit of a rabbit tra- trail there, but I think we caught a rabbit in the process. Uh, in verse number uh, in verse number six, he, he's, he's talking about a, a different gospel. Uh, a couple of things we need to realize is first that the good news starts with bad news. Uh, the good news starts not with, hey, I'm okay, you're okay, we're okay, but hey, God's a holy God, and he created a people to to live with him and to, to serve uh, with him, you know, to, to be involved in the, the work of maintaining creation and all that kind of good stuff. God's given good things for humanity to do, and humanity rebelled against God. You and I are sinners, both by nature and by choice. Uh, that's really significant that we understand that the good news really starts with bad news, um, that we're sinners in need of a Savior. But the good news has so much good news to give that Jesus has fulfilled the law, that we're saved not by works, but we're saved by grace. And the gospel is the difference between life eternally in heaven and life eternally in hell. Uh, that's why Paul speaks. I mean, you know, you, you yell at your kid if you're, he's running in the road. Paul's yelling at the church because they're they're walking in a way of destruction. And the fourth thing that we see here is that the gospel didn't originate from outside. Of the fault this false gospel didn't originate from outside of the church, but from within the church. And I think it's significant that we just uh, be mindful of that. Uh, that we 
uh, that I as a pastor have an obligation to teach my people what the gospel is so that they're not deceived by a uh, false gospel that uh, you know church members have a have an obligation to be like Bereans and to search the scriptures for what the scripture actually says and not just take someone's word for it I don't want people to uh, believe what I preach on the Sunday just because I've said it but because that's actually what the word teaches same with this podcast I don't want you to just think uh, okay these guys on this podcast said this they uh, they're maybe they're not really smart but at least they sound kind of funny right so we'll go with what they say you know uh, Maybe they look kind of funny, right? We'll go with what they say. No, I want you to believe this because it's what the Scripture teaches to be true. Um, and I think I think that that's so important for the church today. Like we said, one of the reasons we're doing this podcast is because so few Christians interact with the Word on a regular and consistent basis. And we want we think that's a tragedy, uh, and want to seek to uh, to remedy that tragedy by by things like this by talking uh, about the Scripture. Most definitely. Um, so, how does the church maintain the purity? of the gospel? That's a great question. I, I think it, I think it goes back to, you know, some of, some of what I was just saying. Um, there's an obligation to pastors to preach the gospel, not to alter the gospel, but to declare the faith once and for all delivered to the saints. Um, in our podcast about Hebrews, we talked about how Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, if Jesus is the same, we shouldn't imagine that his gospel has changed. Uh, we should, we should imagine that the gospel is, uh, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's not going to change tomorrow. It's not going to change with the times. Uh, there might be different ways in which we communicate the gospel. Um, you know, as culture changes and shifts, we you know we adapt to the kind of cultural conversation uh, at hand. But we don't take away anything from the content of the gospel. Right? It's still the fact that you're a sinner, I'm a sinner, and we're in need of a savior. And God's provided a savior in Christ, and that anyone who will come to Christ will be saved. That's our promise of Scripture, and we can we can take that to the bank. I think that's really important. Uh, other ways that we uh, continue to preserve the gospel, um, I, I think, is by the the church. You know, understanding what the gospel is, uh, to to holding holding their leaders to teach them the true gospel. That if the, if your pastor begins to say something that uh, sounds like it's not the true gospel, to say, hey. This kind of sounds like you know works based salvation, and and do that with a spirit of of humility, and say I'm sure right. there's maybe something I'm misunderstanding, or maybe you you could have clarified more, or maybe I misheard you. Uh, but how do I reconcile this with what the scripture teaches uh, is is truly the gospel? And and pastors have an obligation to preach the gospel. You know, I, I, we make we try to make it a point here at Creekside uh, that every t- every time we gather on a Sunday morning, we gather to celebrate the gospel, and so I want people to hear the gospel before. They hear the sermon when the sermon is preached. I want the gospel to be preached in the sermon in some way, shape, or form. That every text should allude to or, or preach the truth of the gospel. And after uh, we finish preaching every Sunday, we take communion, which is a which is an expression, another presentation of the gospel. So I think that's one of the uh, one of the ways we can do that is by preaching the gospel to ourselves regularly as the church, reminding ourselves of the gospel, remembering what Christ has done for us. One of the ways that we don't get uh, led astray into false gospels by this continual renewal and recommitment to the things of the gospel. Yeah. And I think that we can sometimes get lost in um, thinking that the gospel is complicated, but as you see in the introduction there in Galatians one, it's pretty simple and he spells it out there. So it's not hard to implicate that uh, in all of our, in every area of the life, even if your mission field is where you are. So if you're stocking shelves in a grocery store, that's your mission field. Share the gospel there. Yeah. You know, um, 
It's if you if you're a stay at home mom, that's your mission field. Share right. the gospel. Yeah, and it gets it's so hard to share the gospel if you don't know the gospel. It is right. It's it's so hard to be able to speak and, and even just to plant gospel seeds or even just to share. Uh, you know, in, in our in our culture, sometimes it's it's hard to have spiritual conversations. You know, people people don't want to. Uh, talk about spiritual things with complete and total strangers. And so as you're building a relationship with someone, if you know the gospel really well, you, you're really able to relate uh, things that are going on in their life. If they're going through difficulty in their life, you can talk about the brokenness and the fallenness of their, their world. If they, you know, ha- having a having a rough time with, uh, with things that are just going on in their day-to-day life, you can say, like, you know, isn't it good to be uh, to find comfort in things that you know are steadfast and true, like the gospel, you know, like the the good news about Jesus, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, little things like that. Right. Uh, using scripture to help you share the gospel, but you can't do that if you don't know the gospel. True, and that's what uh, that's what Paul seems to be really uh, really focused on. And and I think we live in a culture where we want to talk in a lot of Christian circles about uh, about the gospel but don't really want to define what the gospel is. And so everybody's using the same terminology, but they mean totally different things by it, uh, which can become really, really confusing for all it's worth. Uh, one, uh, one, one example I have here, one more quote I want to share, uh, a guy named Jay Gresham Machen, uh, who is the founder of Westminster Theological Seminary and uh, a pastor for many years. He talks about the difference between uh, Christianity and liberalism. And what he means by that is not a political liberalism, but by a you know, theological liberalism. So he says these are not... Uh, two different forms of Christianity, but two distinct religions. You have the true gospel of Christianity, and then the, the gospel of liberalism isn't a gospel at all. He, he says this quote here. Uh, he says, It may appear that what the liberal theologian has retained after abandoning to the enemy one Christian, Christian doctrine after another is not Christianity at all, but a religion that, which is so entirely different from Christianity as to belong in a distinct category. It may appear further that the fears of the modern man as to Christianity were entirely ungrounded and that in abandoning the embattled walls of the city of God, he has fled in needless panic into the open plains of a vague natural religion only to fall an easy victim to the enemy who ever lies in ambush there. To explain that just a little bit, uh, what he's saying is that we can abandon you know, it starts with abandoning one doctrine of the Christian faith and another doctrine and another doctrine, and eventually, what we have is no Christianity at all by any by any realistic description. It's a totally religion, a totally different religion altogether. And then, when the person believes that, they have no no safeguard. You know, they're they're not protected from uh, the devices of the devil. And so he he says here, it's like running outside of the walls of a fortress to to be saved. And in all reality, you're running into the enemy's uh, front line. You know, in the in the process of that. And so we just need to be be really really careful when we talk about the gospel. Do we know what it means? Do we know uh, how how to share that? Do we know how to convey that message? And are we holding fast to the true gospel? Or are we hanging on to a gospel that's really no gospel at all, even though it's called by the same name? That's what Paul's getting at here in Galatians chapter 1. Awesome. Thank you for sharing all that with us. Um, Is there any other final thoughts, anything you think uh, we want to say to the listeners? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the ways that we apply this to our lives um, is by by rehearsing the gospel as often as we can. preaching the gospel to ourselves daily to make sure that um, we're not being led astray by human human cunning or or uh, 
or by human reason, uh, but that we're you know we're taking we're taking things into account and, and basing them off of what the scripture teaches, uh, not going to uh, a different gospel. One of the ways that we do that, I think, is by uh, understanding what Christians have always taught and always believed uh, for the past two thousand years to really root ourselves in church history, in Christian history, because I'm not the first person to read the Bible. You're not the first person to read the Bible. And yeah. so God has given us in his providence these uh, giants whose shoulders we can stand on. Uh, so like I mentioned Martin Luther here in his commentary on Galatians, you know, Luther's one of the guys who uh, the reformation of the church in the 16th century, it, you know, it, God used him in a really mighty way as he read the Bible, taught the Bible, preached the Bible, all those kinds of things. And there was a, a you know, a revival, a recovery of the, of the Christian faith uh, from a uh, distorted Roman Catholic church, you know, in the 16th century. And even today, you know, even Roman Catholics today would still say, okay, yeah, the church needed reformation then. Now, we didn't want, you know, this whole split of the church, this whole Protestant sect to come off. But like reading reading stuff on Martin Luther, Martin Luther had a lot of stuff that uh, was really, really good. He had some stuff that now we look at and say, whoo, man, he, he was really angry and really not wise with his words there, right? But there's so much benefit from reading someone uh, who was in this battle like Martin Luther, uh, reading uh, stuff by St. Augustine, you know, who wrote in the uh, in the very early centuries of the church, reading some old dead guys who really un- seem to understand and know the gospel. I think it's a, just one uh, one practical way that we can really understand and, and hold fast to, in addition to reading Scripture, right? And those things certainly don't take the place of Scripture, but reading what they had to say and, and re- reading some of how they applied the gospel truth into their own context, I think is really helpful for us today as we're facing a, uh, a a continued departure away from the gospel in many places that still call them Christian churches. What a uh, If Paul was writing a letter to the American church today, I bet it would sound a lot like the letter of Galatians. And so we just need to be mindful to heed the warning God's given us in his word to know the true gospel, not to depart to a different one, and to stand firm in it, even whenever all of the world and all the culture would denounce us for believing such a truth. We can stand on it because it is true. That's great. That's great. Great word. <laughs> Appreciate you being here and yeah, doing James. this with us. Um, I'm looking forward to next time we get together. Do we, and next time we're going to do a giveaway, right? I, I guess. Yeah. I, I guess. Are you giving it away? I guess I don't we'll, have anything. We'll find something to give away. Uh, <laughs> so if you're listening next time, uh, let's just no, let's do it this time. Let's do a giveaway. You want to do a giveaway? Yeah, let's do a giveaway. Uh, we've got some books here that we'll give away. Uh, we've got some copies of Knowing God by J.I. Packer. Uh, it's a great book, uh, a book that I wish more Christians would read. It's an old book, uh, but we've got some copies of Knowing God. If you will rate and review and subscribe, we're just going to randomly select a subscriber, a reviewer, and we'll send you a copy of Knowing God by J.I. Packer. And like that, and that's one of those resources, like I said, we need to know the true gospel. That's one of those resources that will help you understand the Bible, uh, a Bible, the Bible more fully. We have a class here at Creekside we call it the Creekside Academy. Uh, and this whole semester we've been talking about the doctrine of God. And so we've been talking about the Trinity and talking about God's attributes and stuff. Knowing God by J.I. Packer is one of those books. It really helps flesh out all those, those ideas. And uh, it's old, right? It's an older book. Uh, this is a pretty new copy, I think, a new... A new uh, publication, uh, but it's an old book, so we can kind of, you know, glean and, and stand on the shoulders of people who have gone before us. So, this can be yours, right? We can send you your copy of, of J.I. Packer's Knowing God. Uh, just rate and review and subscribe, and uh, maybe send us an email if you want to interview. You can you can send us an email, email at info at creeksidefellowshiptn.org. 
uh, and find us on Facebook, all that kind of fun stuff. We'd love to hear from you. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can uh, make a comment on YouTube. And I'll quit talking now so we can end the show. Thanks, James. <laughs> no problem, man. Thank you guys for being with us, and uh, we look forward to seeing you next time. This has been the Creekside Podcast. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to this podcast today. I know there's a ton of things you could have spent your time listening to, but James and I are grateful that you spent some time hanging out with us. If you'd like to learn more about Creekside Fellowship, you can go to our website at creeksidefellowshiptn.com. Uh, you can find our contact info there. If you've uh, enjoyed listening to the podcast, you can rate and review and subscribe and all that fun stuff. And if you have any questions for us, you can email us at info at creeksidefellowshiptn.org. That's all on our website. You can also connect with us on social media. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen today. Hope you'll tune in next time.